Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Brittany, welcome. Everyone out there listening, I have a guest on the show today and it is Brittany Allison. She is known on Instagram as the Food Freedom Freedom Life already mispronouncing her name, but she's a really awesome coach and registered nutritionist and a dietitian that I found on Instagram. And I've been following her for a while, but I really like her posts because they're all directed towards how you can get into intuitive eating and, and find freedom with food when you've struggled with binge eating in the past. And I think when you struggle with binge eating or something like that, it is really hard to even fathom the concepts of intuitive eating because you feel like it's just going to be falling headfirst into cake and everything else and it's never going to end so I love your messages and what you talk about on your Instagram um so yeah welcome to the show thank you so much I'm really excited to be chatting with you today yeah yeah of course so I always like to ask people like what sort of traumatic and awful event led to you being this in this career field and why you help people today yeah, I mean, I think you just put it pretty well. Like, I, I don't think people really come into this field without having their own traumatic and awful story with food and body image. And that's, yeah, certainly the case for me, too. I mean, growing up, I never really had a good relationship with food or my body, but I never really realized that's what it was. Um, I was always really unintentionally, of course, but compared to my sister, who was smaller than me, she was always skinny mini and nothing was said for me. And I still remember being told at the doctor at 10 years old that I was high on the growth growth curve and that I was overweight. And, you know, that's going to be funny here. Oh yeah. I know. Like the fact that I remember that so vividly and I was only 10 years old is that says a lot. Right. And my parents always did their best, but there were a lot of messages around junk food and we didn't keep certain foods in the house. It led me to you know, trade away my lunch for other things. Sometimes I would eat in secret. Um, I remember trying to lose weight before going to Disneyland on a family trip. Yeah. Yeah. Just things like that, that kind of culminated over the years through high school. It kept going. Like I would blame my body for not being invited to parties. I thought if I was just skinnier, I would be more popular and I would have that high school experience that I wanted so badly. Um, when I finally went away to university, I gained weight as many people do as you enter into a new phase of life. But I was finally in a place I had the freedom and space away from my family home and my parents to quote unquote, do something about it. And pretty quickly, it turned into an eating disorder. Really, really quickly, it turned into bulimia. And so, yeah, when I was in university, I got really into fitness and nutrition. I mean, I had an eating disorder the whole time. So that was obviously an underlying current. But I finished up a degree in history. And then I decided that I wanted to go into nutrition. Because that was already taking up all of my time and energy. And so... I wanted to learn more and I was excited about it, which, you know, had some validity, but at the same time, a lot of people who go into nutrition do have eating disorders. Yeah. Um, It's just like people who go into psychology, they usually have 
not always, but like sometimes they have some sort of own mental struggle of their own and it's, people are surprised by it, but like, no, it makes sense. It's something that takes up all your headspace. Of course, you're going to go into it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I went to school for nutrition. I became a boot camp instructor. I was a weight loss coach, like all of these really kind of messed up things that weren't inherently messed up, but because of the, you know, under underlying eating disorder of all of it, it, it was messed up, but Throughout all of that, I was really stuck in it. My whole world was food, nutrition, exercise. Um, I was in school for dietetics and it came to a point where food took over my whole life. It took up all of my brain space. It almost ruined my relationship. And that was when I really realized that I had a problem because that's something that eating disorders do to you, right? Is they convince you that Mm -hmm. you don't have it a problem that you can stop anytime that this is normal. This is just something that you have to do and then you'll stop and it'll be fine. But it got to the point where I realized that doesn't happen. This is a problem and I need to stop. And it was from that point on that my partner, who's now my fiance, he was my boyfriend at the time. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, he was like, Brittany, I know there's something wrong. You need to tell me. And hmm. he was the first person that I told. And that point was when I really started my recovery. Um, I DIY'd it. I did it on my own. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for everybody, but for me, it made sense at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two years later is when I started my business and I decided that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And honestly, I can't imagine myself doing anything different, helping people recover from disordered eating and eating disorders, helping people have better relationships with food and body image, moving away from the binge eating cycle and just living life as it's meant to be without a preoccupation with food or body image. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. First of all, and our stories are eerily similar in some ways, Um, but of course they usually are, but um. I can really relate to it being rewarding, helping people uh, with something that you struggled with for so long and something you thought wasn't, you were never going to recover from. I'm finally figuring out the answers for that um, and being able to help others do the same, especially with the um, DIY recovery. My recovery was DIY a little bit too. I did have some coaching, but it was never directly related to bulimia recovery. And so it's interesting. We both had that path. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you several other questions, but I'm curious but the relationship thing, I also had the same similar experience of um, telling my boyfriend, he didn't come out and say like, something's wrong. I was just like, with my relationship, I was very moody suddenly, and then like completely insecure, which made a lot of problems in our relationship. Can you like, if it's not too personable, personal, how did bulimia and your eating disorder almost ruin your relationship? And I guess yeah. that would be better. <laughs> Like I was saying, food and exercise was my whole life. It was something that took up all of my spare time. When I wasn't in school, when I wasn't doing classwork, I was researching recipes. I was making those recipes. I was logging things in my fitness pal. I was at the gym. I was looking up new workouts and new workout routines. I was spending all of my time and energy trying to be smaller. And the summer before all of this kind of came to a head, I was working at a summer camp and I was like 
not eating. I was going to work all day unfed. I would come back and just binge pretty much. Um, I would spend time with my boyfriend, but honestly, like I was half of myself or less. I was just a shell of who I was supposed to be. And at this camp, I met somebody else Mm -hmm. and I was so swept up in being impulsive because that's also something that eating disorders really do to you is they create this impulsivity. That's what binge eating is, right? It's this Mm -hmm. uncontrolled impulsivity. And I decided that I was going to break up with my boyfriend and I was going to go for this other guy. And at the time, like I didn't realize it was connected to the eating disorder. And I mean, there were, there were reasons at the time that felt like it wasn't connected to it. And I still think there's some validity to that too, but I wasn't acting like myself and I wasn't acting with conscious, logical, constructive, critical thought. Like it was really just from moment to moment making these decisions. And so, yeah, like I broke up with my boyfriend and I pursued this other guy and, um, you know, that obviously did not work out, but Mm -hmm. throughout the course of when I broke up with him to, you know, three months later, when we had that night where he was like, I know there's something wrong. He was always there for me and he knew something was wrong Mm -hmm. and he stuck with me. He, you know, tried to understand and figure out like what was really happening. And I was being really secretive and I wasn't being honest with him or with myself. And yeah, when I, when I finally told him when it came to that night where we like got together and he, you know, had that conversation with me and I told him, I didn't necessarily realize it all right away, but with time I started to really see the pieces of how the eating disorder was just making me act like somebody else yeah thank you for sharing that I know that's like a vulnerable thing to talk about but yeah yeah, well I asked because like I had a really again eerily similar experience with my relationship and I've been in a long-term relationship and he could definitely sense something was wrong but I also became interested in someone else and pursued that and it wasn't like looking back now, I don't know what I was thinking. It made sense at the time, like you're saying, but it was like impulsive. And I think that other person fed my insecurities and, you know, filled the need that the eating disorder was creating for me. And, and I can relate also to just when you're going through bulimia and eating disorders in general, and you're obsessed with food, you are just like a shell of yourself sometimes. And it's hard to be there for a relationship. So yeah, thank you for sharing. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. You're welcome. Yeah, I I hope no one, I mean, I know other people are going through that, but hopefully, you know, listening to this and your story and my story, people can understand that you can find yourself after all of this. Yeah, and And you can work through things in relationships too, which is a good example as well. Uh, So how did you, like, I know you said you DIY'd your recovery for a bit, and obviously I think we're both proponents of getting help for recovery too. It's sometimes it works for people to do it on their own, sometimes not. Um, but were there any key things that really helped you in your recovery process? Yeah. So the very first thing that I found was an ebook called Eat, Lift, Thrive by Sohee Lee. She's okay. a, a fitness trainer. And 
in that she talked a lot about she alluded at intuitive eating but didn't I think I can't quite remember now she didn't outright say that's what it was but it talked a lot about uh you know, listening to your body, mindful eating, not relying on food rules. And that was when things really started to, to click for me too. Um, I was like, oh my God, I don't listen to my body at all. I don't do any of this. And so yeah. um, she talked a lot about the psychology of eating and why we have the certain behaviors that we do with food, which I thought was really interesting. And that's something that in the nutrition world, I never... I, I didn't really know was a thing. Of course, it makes so much sense, but at the time I didn't understand that. And so I started looking up food psychology and I pretty quickly found the food psych podcast by Christy Harrison, which mm -hmm. again was just another opening of the floodgates into the world of intuitive eating. And I found health at every size through that. And my mind was really just blown by everything that I was learning. There was just so much information, this whole other world of food and eating and nutrition and health that I had no clue existed. Everything until that point lived in that world of diets and restriction and weight loss and constantly focus on focusing on getting smaller. And now there was just all of this new information that I couldn't on no and it really challenged what i knew about health and wellness um so much so that you know i really have wholeheartedly jumped into the intuitive eating um health at every size side of things because it's one of those things that yeah like once you know it you just really can't unknow it and um yeah once i found it all i really started adopting it into my life and um, it helped bring just a self-awareness into why I was doing the things that I was doing when I was really active in my eating disorder, um, in a way that helped me honestly, like move forward pretty quickly in, in my yeah. recovery. Yeah. Well, when you've the, the finding out why is really helpful because I think when you're going through an eating disorder, binge eating, compulsive eating, whatever it is, you, you kind of think you're just crazy. And at least that's what I thought. It sounds it's an adorable mug for people listening. She has an M&M mug. It's a blue one. It's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, but uh, where was I? Yeah. So you think like you're crazy and you think you're just, you have no self-control that you're just this compulsive, impulsive person that can't stop. Um, and it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. And for me, all I ever looked up was like weight loss advice to try to help it. Cause that was the only thing I knew that like you that's how you control your food just like losing weight. So it's the only avenue I was going through constantly for you. You found out more about, okay, there's actually reasons behind why I'm eating this way. I'm not just this ravenous person who has no control. Um, when it comes to intuitive eating, which obviously helped you a lot, how did you navigate, or you could even use your personal example or what you use with clients, but how do you even begin to navigate intuitive eating when you don't necessarily trust your body signals? Yeah, that's, that's such a good question. And I mean, having a lack of trust with your body signals, I think something that's really important to understand is that that you were not born that way, not trusting your body signals. You were born trusting your body. You as a baby knew when to eat, when to say no, you knew how to ask for food when you were hungry. Like 
all of these pieces that we have forgotten along the way were once really natural. Mm-hmm. Of course, understanding that doesn't necessarily make it click or make it easy right away. But I think having that understanding that you were once an intuitive eater really helps to build that very first foundational layer of trust that, hey, if I was once this way, I can relearn that and I can get back to it, even though I've unlearned it over the course of chronic dieting and restriction and all of that. But, you know, when it comes to really starting the process, it is scary. It's scary to allow yourself to eat foods that you've been restricting for so long. And the way that I go about that with clients is a little bit different for everybody. You know, some people Mm -hmm. will kind of do one food at a time or one food group at a time, like carbohydrates, for example, some people really just want to go all in and kind of get it all out of the way at once and rip the bandaid off. But yeah, having somebody who you can put your trust in somebody who not only has been there, but has worked with hundreds of people and has a proven framework for how to move through it. I think that that really helps because when you don't trust yourself yet, it helps so much to put your trust into somebody else who can teach you to trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Having some sort of method or framework to rely on and also a big part of my recovery was listening to other people's stories and not just with bulimia in general, but like anything else was watching them have successful moments and thinking they could never do it. And then they actually did it. It's like, oh, wow, things can happen for people. Maybe it can happen for me. And then having some sort of method to rely on so that even if you don't necessarily know about you, you know, you trust that, okay, this is work for other people. It might work for me too. It's absolutely helpful. Also, what you said about um, you weren't born this way, I wrote that down. Really good quote, because true, you don't come out of the womb with an eating disorder. There are, you know, maybe genetic components that contribute to an eating disorder, but you don't necessarily come out being weird and restrictive with food, for lack of better terms. And I think it's helpful to understand, okay, you shifted into this way of thinking and being with food. You can shift out of it. Something I tell people a lot is that, Um, like the belief I keep from my clients that helps me believe in them is that if you're a human being, you have a human brain that's capable of change. And if you're capable of change, you're capable of recovery. And it just helps the the core fundamental thing. It helps me believe in other people. And that's something I try to get to people too. I love that. That's Mm -hmm. really, a really great way to simple. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's good. So when it came to, uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to ask about is body changes. And obviously a fan of the health at every size movement. Um, so when it comes to like dealing with body changes, cause I know you, I saw a post that you made recently about um, the pandemic and like having to buy new clothes after that. How do you begin to cope with possibly weight gain or changing size? Yeah, body changes are hard. And I think the most important thing to know is that it's okay to not be okay with body changes all the time. Mm. I talk a lot about body neutrality and acceptance. And I think people sometimes get confused that that just means you're happy with the way that your body looks all the time. Uh, And especially when it changes, but thinking this can make it seem even harder to feel neutral or feel accepting of your body. And it can make weight changes even more challenging. 
when your body changes, it gets really easy to become super subjective and in your head about it, to think about all the reasons why you should do everything that you can to change it back, how you hate the way you look, how mad you are at yourself that you've gained weight. But in those moments, what I want you to do is zoom out, take a step back, take a deep breath, and let's look at these body changes objectively. When it comes to the pandemic, you went through something that you've never experienced before. Your life likely changed in some way, whether you started working from home, you left the house less, you were less social, you got sick, you had to take care of family members, you couldn't go to the gym or workout classes, etc. There are so many ways that life shifted. And whenever life changes happen, bodies adapt. That's what they do. That's what bodies are meant to do. Bodies are not meant to be static over the course of your lifetime. They're constantly evolving inside and out and they adapt to these life changes, whether it's a pandemic or something else. This has nothing to do with your willpower or your discipline or anything like that. But for me, I lived in a tiny apartment in the city. I hate at-home workouts, although I tried in the area I lived in. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that was something I did, you know, when I was in high school at home when I was trying to lose weight and just not my thing. Yeah, I only Um, like running at home outside. So, but other than that, no. Yeah, the, you know, the area I lived in wasn't the nicest for walking. We ordered more takeout than normal. Um, I was also in Toronto, which had the largest, uh, longest lockdown out of anywhere in North America. So there's lots of time at home. So my body changed and that's okay. Do I love how my body changed? I mean, not really, but I don't have to hate it either, right? I, mm-hmm. I can look at it neutrally and say, yeah, my body changed. I can see that, but I'm still okay. My health is fine. My relationship mm-hmm. is great. My work is great. Nothing has changed because my body did. Yes, I had to get some new pants, but really that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, bodies are temporary, just like my body adapted to the pandemic, it will adapt to post-pandemic life too. And what that looks like, I don't know, Uh, but I don't need to do anything crazy to get my body back. I'm just focusing on enjoying my life post-lockdown and getting back to doing the activities that I enjoy that make me feel good. And my body will do what it needs to do, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I still have moments of feeling kind of urgent about wanting to change my body, but I remind myself that there's no real urgency, right? There's no real reason that my body needs to change right now. And ultimately nothing I do right now is going to change my body. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still loved. I'm still okay. Nothing needs to change right now. And then I put on some comfy clothes and I move on, you know, body, it's a journey it's, it's not a destination. It's something that you can arrive to a place of neutrality and acceptance, but there's still going to be challenges that come up over the course of your life, whether you are getting older or you decide to have a baby or you get an injury or develop an illness, whatever it may be, bodies change and we need to be okay with them changing. And that's why body image is something that's constantly evolving for me and for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That was really well said, Um, especially that you started out with saying it's okay to not like it. And I think so many people, they, they do what you said. They take body neutrality or body acceptance and they think 
okay, so that means you'll never ever be upset about how your body looks ever again. Um, or they, they have this picture in their head that like, okay, true body confidence is when you never have an insecure day. And I just, I don't know who on the planet doesn't ever feel insecure about their body, about something, even supermodels. I feel like if they have one thing that they're probably bothered by. And so it's about, I've, I've found in my own recovery, people, as they start to get more comfortable with their body shifting, it's not that they don't have those insecure moments, it's that they're able to move on from those insecure moments without letting it completely crush them or doing crazy things that would contribute more to the issues they already have. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You said something though that's kind of interesting uh, that I feel, thinking of my listeners and everything, um, like what, some people feel like it is urgent to make those changes. Mm-hmm. And let's say like they do need to make, like they do need to start moving more for their health, that sort of stuff. Is there a way that you would recommend like how to think differently about that or how to make gentle decisions with health that aren't like crazy disordered and like causing harm? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that it still stands when it comes to, if you're looking at it from a health perspective, that nothing you do in this moment ultimately is going to make or break your health down the line right? Even if it's the choice between like McDonald's or a salad, just using that example, it's one meal and it's not going to make or break anything that you are going to be in 10 years time. Mm -hmm. There is no real urgency. You are safe in the present. People also really jump to the conclusion that, oh my God, I've gained weight. Therefore I must be less healthy. And for that, I would really encourage you to check out the Health at Every Size book. It talks a lot about that and de-linking the relationship between weight and health, which I think helps to just bring a lot of peace to gaining weight and, and bodies changing. But health and making changes to honor your health and your body, nothing needs to happen right now because ultimately if you're trying to incorporate all of these things immediately it's not going to be sustainable we need Mm -hmm. to really go slow and steady take baby steps incorporate things in small ways see how it feels you know see if it makes sense and build from there it's not like okay let's try 20 different things let's bring it all in let's make all these changes it's like all right let's add one and then another and then another with time and and build up a routine for lack of a better word with health that makes sense Mm -hmm. health also is not just physical health too it's mental health as well and how you feel about yourself your relationship with food your relationship with movement those pieces are really important too we can't just say like let's start this whole new workout routine if you have a crappy relationship with exercise because at the end of the day it's just it's not going to be healthy it's not going to be sustainable it's not going to really benefit you in the ways that you want to so really working on the mental side of it first so that you can incorporate the physical behaviors is going to benefit benefit you a lot more in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's all nuanced, right? There's, there's little different things to everything that you're working on and it's just not one way or the highway. And especially when it comes to your relationship with food, exercise, your mental health, you need to consider it all. 
thing with people and I like what you said about like one McDonald's meal isn't going to make or break it like it's not it, there isn't technically no there just isn't any real urgency and a lot of people get it in their head that like this is the moment where all the all of my decisions they are all of the, my health is what's the word impending hanging I don't know it's wrong but hanging on this one decision and it's really not um it's really consistency over time that makes those changes and you can always change something um as time goes on yeah. when it comes to there's one thing I wanted to ask you but it's all that rambling I totally forgot oh it's about either health at every size or weight I guess I'll almost move on from it <laughs> it's gone um yeah it's gone oh well but we're pretty much at time anyway so we've talked about the weight gain or we talked about what it's like to make slow and sustainable changes through health and also like little things that have helped you overcome binge eating and bulimia but what's one piece of advice just in general that you would give to someone struggling right now yeah good question I think just to put it out there. If you're struggling with binge eating right now, things can get better. And I know that brings a lot of, brings up a lot of questions around how and how long is it going to take, but mm -hmm. just know that it, it can get better. But in order to truly heal from binge eating, you need to work on healing and make that your number one priority. And this means putting the active pursuit of weight loss on the back burner so that you can put all of your energy into repairing your relationships with food and body image. This does not mean that you have to give up your want to lose weight in order to start binge eating recovery, but living your life in a way that supports your body and a culture that repeatedly beats weight loss into it, it's hard, especially if you don't fit into the ideal. And so it's understandable if there's a part of you that still wants to lose weight to fit into that ideal, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be cured of your desire to lose weight. Every single one of my clients, when they first start working with me, wants to lose weight. And mm -hmm. for some of them, that desire never truly goes away. And that's okay. It's a process. And you're going to have points where you feel recovered. And then you wake up one day and you have the urge to diet. It's your brain's conditioning. And I always aim to hold space for that part of you that wants to lose weight because it's not helpful to pretend it's not there or ignore it but we want to nurture that part without giving too much power to it. Um, but we do really want to work to put it on the back burner because if you're trying to recover from binge eating, but you're also trying to lose weight, you're going to end up focusing on both and that and end up on this fence in the middle. Mm -hmm. That is way more uncomfortable than just picking either pursuing recovery or pursuing weight loss. You're actually just going to end up entrenching yourself further into the diet mentality that's now gotten all tangled up with recovery and intuitive eating, which is going to make it way harder to untangle in the future. So, you know, if you need to like pick one and diet again, then do it. Like don't straddle the fence. That is so much more painful and it's going to hurt you more in the long run. Binge eating recovery is a journey and you don't have to wait until the day that you wake up and say, I never want to lose weight again <laughs> to start, huh. but you have to get off the fence and choose a path because it's going to serve you way better in the long run. Yeah. Very well said. Um, I heard someone say this, I think it was Renee Sager, but she described it beautifully. Um, it's not that 
either, you know, the weight loss is inherently this bad thing, but trying to lose weight and trying to stop binging or binge eating are two completely opposite things. And they work against each other. Like when you're trying to lose weight, if that's your goal, um, it's part of it will be technically ignoring your intuitive signals. And so again, nothing necessarily ethically wrong with that, but with binge eating, you really need to start paying attention to your intuitive signals and start trying to learn how to listen to your body again. And weight loss is technically, it's promoting ignoring them in some sort of way. And so it feeds the complete, complete opposite of what you want. And also weight loss is going to intensify binge urges and hunger urges. And it's just going to make it, I always describe it as like, it's turning the video game dial up like to the most extreme difficulty. And then you're trying not to binge. And it's like, it's very counterproductive. And then, like you said, you straddle the fence and you never necessarily progress in either platform. So it's better to just focus on the binge eating and then, and also what you said about um, honoring those desires and wants, I agree. Like it doesn't serve any purpose to ignore them and pretend like they're not there. It's really important to hold space for it and just ignore, like, of course you have the desire. It makes total sense why you'd want that given everything that goes on in your life and in society. Yep. Absolutely. Like it's, it makes so much sense that it's there. So we want to understand that part of you, understand what you really want from that weight loss and use that in recovery. You know, whether you want confidence or peace or Mm -hmm. feel better about yourself, feel more like yourself again, let's work toward those things and let's put just the active pursuit of weight loss to the side so that we can maybe try to get some of those pieces that you're really wanting from changing your body in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I find that a lot of times recovering from something like bulimia or binge eating, it offers a lot of the same things that you might want as a side product of weight loss. Um, Mm -hmm. It does offer a lot more trust and confidence in yourself. The feeling that you get once you've kind of overcome something and you can trust that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. Um, and you can listen to your body again, it's, it's a whole different feeling. It feels really, really good. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And you can still have bad days, but they don't completely ruin you. So that's also nice. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Okay. So where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram. My handles, the food freedom life. I'm also on TikTok, Brittany Allison RD. And I have a website that by the time this podcast airs, hopefully we'll be up and running and it'll, it'll be BrittanyAllisonRD.com. Okay. Very nice and simple. And tell me or tell them what you're telling me that you're working on um, in the beginning of the call. Yeah, I'm launching a podcast as well. It's going to be called the Food Freedom Life Podcast. I don't have an exact date for when it's going to start, but definitely stay tuned for all things recovery, intuitive eating, body image, self-discovery, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm just talking with you now. You're going to be great for a podcast. Very, very even keel, informative, and uh, people listening out there, her, her Instagram is really great. And your reels are usually informative and your posts, they really, you can tell you're someone who has experienced it before and has gotten to the other side and you do a good job of portraying that and helping people. So it's a great resource. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. All right. So those guys listening, thank you for being here. And Brittany, thank you for being on the show.